0: Hey everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. And I'm welcoming back old friend James Rapine of allbengals.com does a tremendous job with the locked on podcast, the only daily podcast covering your Cincinnati Bengals. And he has the apparel to prove it. You want to, there you go. There you go. I just wanted to make sure I got that brand recognition on there for you. Um, We have survived the 2022 NFL draft. And look, I think the Bengals accomplished what they wanted to. Did they get a star name out of the deal? That remains to be seen. We all know that it takes at least three years to really truly evaluate a draft. You would agree with that, James?
1: Don't tell that to Jamar Chase or Joe Burrow, but generally, generally, yes,
0: I would say generally three odd. Uh, that doesn't mean in three years they aren't going to be even better than they were in their rookie years. But the point is, it usually takes three years to assess just how successful um, a particular draft pick was. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I told you I love Daxon Hill. I did not think the Patriots would give up on him and let him go and drop in the draft. Lo and behold, they did, and he went to the Bengals at 31. First of all, your your general impressions of Daxton. You had a great, by the way, uh, kudos to James Rapine on SI.com and allbengals.com. You had a nice uh, 38-minute interview with him in his locker stall when the rookie uh, came to visit on Friday after the first round. Great job by you.
1: 38 minutes. That's what you run the 40 yard dash in. If we're talking about Mike Petrelia and, you know, his 40 yard dash combine time, that being said, yeah, I did sit down with Dax and, and asked him, you know, about uh, anything and everything in between. It was actually eight minutes for those yeah, that I actually believe tracks. Don't do little, that, but, uh, hyperbole. but go ahead. Yeah, but no, I, I like, uh, I like Dax a lot and I, I think he's cut from that same Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, things aren't, too big for me cloth now we need to see him on the field and all of those things but just this temperament um he was exhausted when i talked to him and and, uh, went through the ringer you know talked to us as a whole for about 20 minutes or so in the news conference room gets interviewed by dan horde then gets interviewed by fox 19 then i interview him then he went through uh, you know i think channel nine interviewed him and then the writers interviewed him again and it was just one after another after another after another and that was on like an hour of sleep so so it's it's tough to do. And the other part is, is, it's not like he was used to the in-person stuff as much. Uh, I, I imagine they got back to that a little bit, but during the college football playoff, they did not. And that was not the case when he was at Michigan. So um, that was uh, was good to, to see him shake his hand, talk to him in person. Overall, you mentioned the Patriots and Dax Hill, and they obviously moved on and took Cole Strange. Well, the Bengals got a better player later in the draft. Like it's it's crazy. I think I'm me and you are the only two. I think truly in in Cincinnati media that are as high on Dax Hill as we are. And I can tell you this: the Bengals are ecstatic that he fell to them at thirty-one, and I I think he uh, makes them a lot better. And you know, part of that is his attitude, but a lot of that is the playmaking we saw at Michigan.
0: So Evan Lazar, kudos to my colleague at CLNS Media. I remember bringing uh, his name up to you you know i think a month or two ago it was quite a while ago when we started when he started really breaking down film and I, he said take a look at this kid because yes. he, he is, is the kind of plug and play uh safety that could go into a secondary and actually even play corner and he, there's just so many ways that he can uh fit into a type of defense that Luana Rumo runs uh that he'd be useful right away and you know i just paid particular attention to his film and i did and that's why I thought, you know, at that time, it would be a fascinating opportunity for the Bengals. I just didn't think he would drop to them.
1: No, I didn't either. And that's the thing is you look at him and he can do it all. And, you know, if you want to ask him to play deep and, and play that safety spot, you know, people are talking about him being Jesse Bates' replacement. He can do that, but he can also play with Bates and be a perfect fit alongside Jesse Bates. And there aren't many safeties that have that ability, that versatility. Right. And he's one of them. Uh, the, the other part of this, is, as far as this year is concerned, it doesn't make anyone happy to see Von Bell in coverage against some top tight ends. And that's why Trey Flowers played a role. And Trey Flowers has great size. He looks like an NBA player more so than he does. Long a arms. Football player.
0: Great tack. Long
1: arms, long legs. Yeah, real high waisted. And, and I, I look at Dax Hill and he, he's not that, but he, He's sticky in coverage, man, and I think he's going to get stronger and be able to go up against these tight ends and so uh, that's the exciting part is that I think it's going to allow von Bell to do more of what he's best at, allow Jesse Bates to continue to do what he's best at, and Dax Hill can still be on the field because I think that was the puzzling thing to a lot of people that hadn't got on on the Dax Hill trainer kn- knew much about him as they see safety and they're like, oh well. Clearly, Jesse Bates has gone. I don't necessarily think that that's the case. And from a football fit standpoint, I think it makes a ton of sense. And you do deserve credit. You were the first on the Dax Hill train. I completely unloaded everything and, and, and jumped on board and, and put all of my stock there. But it took me a while to get caught up draft-wise, tracks. This is the, uh, the latest I had gotten a, a full grasp, I think, on the draft. It was probably about a week prior to the draft. And it's because unlike you mr i covered the patriots for three decades i had never had to worry about a deep playoff run and i didn't know what that was like and so it it kind of changed uh and switched up my body clock i was at the combine and much like the bengals coaching staff it was just like uh what guys are they meeting with like i i couldn't even you know keep them all straight but it was good to uh it, it was good to to get a uh, you know on the same page that I usually am before the draft and back. So it was one of those top guys when I came, you know, and got all of my, my info and insight together.
0: To quote or paraphrase Zach Taylor Tuesday at his uh, press conference at Paul Brown stadium. The hope is that you're going to be going through that quite a bit uh, in the next several years. And this is going to repeat often. And that, you know, Jack, Zach Taylor was talking about that with regard to a shortened, um, uh, off-season workout program that the Bengals are going through this year. He's happy to, you know, shave some time off of it if it means going deep into February or, you know, mid-February to get there. But anyway, uh, speed. If there's one play and one characteristic that really, I think, wraps up or summarizes the Bengals draft class, at at least at the top of the class, it is speed. And if there's one play you want to go back and watch Daxton Hill – Google Daxton Hill, Najee Harris. Um, and I believe it was a opening game, um, Cotton Bowl or Peach Bowl, something like that. It was the beginning of the year when Michigan played Alabama. And Mm Najee and, um, Dax Hill comes down, downhill from his safety position and tackles Harris in the backfield, and you're like, wow, that is some sort of speed on, on a terrific running back. Did you uh, remember that play? Did you see that play when you were looking at film?
1: Yep, Yeah, I did, and uh, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, he's going to be asked to do that exact thing right, for the Bengals, right? Tackle Najee Harris, who's one of the best young running backs in the NFL and on the Steelers. But that's the thing that, to me, that's why he's such a good fit with Jesse Bates because the, the one thing that Bates struggles at at times is tackling. Yep. And Dax Hill, he's not big, right? 6'1190 built like a corner. This dude hits. And it it, he is not afraid to hit. And he's going to get stronger. There's no doubt about that. Hasn't really added a bunch of weight since high school. So I I think that part could be interesting. Does he add, you know, 10 pounds more of muscle over the next year or two? I could see him doing that. And so if if he hits that way at the NFL level in, in bulks up a little bit, then yeah, I, I still think we'll have that range and that speed. I think you could do that, but you also have the the body that's going to be able to withstand, you know, big hits on Najee Harris and these other guys. Because Najee Harris is a freak. He's a big dude.
0: He's only um is Daxon Hill 21. And like um Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates came into the league very young. Not uh Dax Hill will come into the league very, very young. He's an undergraduate um uh, uh the clare uh, out of college. So he had a year left of eligibility, comes in at 21. And everything I've seen, he's going to be able to uh, handle uh, the rigors of the NFL. Tyson Anderson, I love that choice out of Toledo as a safety. And Cam Taylor brett what do you like about Cam Taylor brett that you saw on tape?
1: Well, the first thing that you mentioned is his speed. And it's not just his speed for me. And that's obviously part of it, the 438. He's athletic. He's really athletic. And, and he's a guy that to me, if you're looking at the cornerbacks that were there at 31, cause that's what everybody was talking about. Cornerback, 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 Andrew Booth, always there. You got to take him. Oh, Well, maybe it's Kyler Gordon and not Andrew Booth. How big of a downgrade is it from those dudes? Andrew Booth, clearly there were some medical issues and, and medical red flags the teller. versus a guy like versus a guy like Cam Taylor Britt. Right. And it's like, okay, like, Both guys probably end up being Eli Apple's backup, but can compete and push Eli Apple, and you never know. And I'm talking about in year one. But he's got all the traits you're looking for for a successful, to to be a successful corner. You know, he's got good size. He's got good length. uh, He's got all the athletic traits. And so that's, that's what you're looking for. And so I don't think the Bengals pigeonholed themselves into cornerback at 31. Obviously, they didn't. And I'm proud of them because I think eight years ago, tracks they would have I think they would have just taken the best corner available and that's what they would have done it felt like that when they took Drake Kirkpatrick with 17th overall in 2012 and he's just the best corner there we need a corner well no it can't be that that's not the draft the good teams don't draft that way right you know need matters but so does value and I think the Bengals they get that one-two punch where they plug their biggest need in most people's opinions in corner at corner with Cam Taylor Britt while also getting Dax Hill. So I I look at it as almost like a combo package. But no, I I like uh, Taylor Brent a lot. And and I think he's going to bring some juice, as he liked to say, some juice to the Bengals secondary. And wouldn't be shocking, by the way, if he uh, surpasses Eli Apple. And the best thing would be, Drags is if Eli Apple was so motivated from the criticism, the one-year deal after playing his his best season in the NFL – and he goes out there, has a career year, and Cam Taylor-Britt can learn. And, and that doesn't mean he's not going to play, because he's still going to play as the fourth right. corner. But uh, sit behind him. I think that would be the best case. Uh, worst case, uh, well, neither one plays well. But I, I don't think that that'll be the case.
0: So I'm glad you brought that up about how the Bengals drafted even five years ago with Marvin. And this isn't to throw Marvin under the bus. But Marvin Uh-oh. would see Marvin would see talent and need – and he would draft to that, uh, along with Duke. I think the difference is, and the progression with the Bengals organization, and this this is what is impressive to me. The reason Zach Taylor brings up character, character is not only what you do off the field, but it's on the field. How you comport yourself, and how does that character fit in, and their talent, their skill level fit in the schemes. That they're running. I think the Bengals are much more in tune with that, Uh, and I think they're much more nuanced with that, to, to use a modern age word that gets thrown around a lot. The nuance is much more refined with these Bengals and the front office, and I think that's where Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor deserve a lot of credit. That's why you don't, like you just said minutes ago, you don't just plug and play the so-called best available talent and put it in the cornerback it has to be is this what Lou is this the kind of player Lou Anarumo can envision working in his scheme
1: yep no I I totally agree with that and I think uh I think especially towards the end of Marvin's era there was a disconnect between the front office specifically Duke Tobin and I'm not reporting but I, I just the way they drafted Marvin didn't want John Ross Duke Tobin loved the idea of adding speed to the secondary and people are gonna be like, Oh, well, Marvin was right. Not necessarily because he wanted OJ Howard and OJ Howard hasn't worked out either. Um, so there, there's a lot So today. by the
0: way, that's a, that's another subject, but I am shocked that OJ Howard hasn't been productive in the NFL, but go he, ahead
1: in, in, in on paper, Ross made a lot of sense at the time. Right. And it just didn't, it didn't work out. And that's what it is. You know, Auden Tate didn't play as much as I thought, uh, the front office might've wanted him to early in his career because, Marvin and the coaching staff wasn't on the same page. And so I think that's part of it. And so when you go get your guy, and I think Zach Taylor was very much a Duke Tobin guy, not that they only hired him because of that, but I think it was part of it. It's easier to be in sync from the job and they have been. And, um, you know, you look at it, I think Cam Taylor or Brett physical corner, I think of Chidobe uh, Awuzie when he's on the Island and has to come up and tackle, uh, you know, these different, Wide receivers that are, are getting screen passes and they're explosive players. Cheeto had a bunch of big tackles like that that 's what Lou envisions is these dudes that can run that they can cover they can be sticky in man coverage they 're comfortable in zone and they can come up and hit you. well, guess what cam Taylor brick can do all of those things because he moved all over the field he played a little bit of uh, of safety he 's going to be an outside corner, played a little bit of nickel but He's moved all over the field, so he's comfortable being one-on-one with these receivers and, and going man-to-man when needed. Has the athleticism to have success in, in that range too. So, and by the way, uh, Cheeto was not a, a first rounder, and the Bengals identified him when he was drafted by you know a second rounder, and, and he's turned out quite all right. And I think Cam Taylor-Britt, they have a, uh, you know, the same sort of feelings about him that he can do all the things: run, cover, hit and uh, play multiple spots if they need him to. I don't think that's their plan format as of now. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a, a really good fit for Lou Anarumo and company.
0: I tweeted this a little while ago, actually a couple of days uh, earlier in the week. And my favorite anecdote, you brought up Cheeto and the ability to tackle. My favorite anecdote from the draft was Lou Anarumo telling all of us uh, in the media that he uh, showed film to every defensive candidate that he brought in. Um, mm-hmm. the play that Cheeto made late in the game with about two minutes and 30 seconds left against the Titans, uh, in Nashville on none other than Derrick Henry, bringing him to the ground, putting making it a second and long where if he doesn't make the tackle, Jesse Bates is nowhere around because he's on the other side of the field, would have taken him take a while, a while, to, get while there. to get there. He gets yeah. Derek Henry to the ground, and yeah. it was. A, an incredibly important play that set up second long. And eventually, obviously the Bengals uh, force the turnover, get the interception and the game winning field goal. I love that anecdote.
1: Yeah, I do too. And that's, that's what they need. And so the, the thing that I, I really like about what the Bengals did, is, you look at these, these defensive backs, right? Daxton Hill, Cam Taylor, Britt and Tyson Anderson, all three of them have high end relative athletic scores, Right, and in, in, you know yeah. that's the RAS dot football that people look at, and it's become commonplace. I mean, I, you I, and I've probably you've you've probably looked at it for years, right? But you know, I have, but most fans didn't, and I think it's pretty common now that people look it up. All right, where is he percentage wise? Well, you want athletes, you want guys that can freaking fly and hit, and are physical, and have all those like that's what you want. And so, can you find those type of guys throughout the draft? Because if so, and they produced in college, well, the hit rate on them being a productive NFL player goes way up. And, and guys like Dre Kirkpatrick, guys like Darquest and Art, and I keep referring to those two because they weren't high-end athletes. They didn't run under 4-4. They didn't do those type of things. Now, of course, compared to the average person, great athletes, but compared to high-end NFL cornerbacks, they're just okay. And, and so from the jump, if you're taking those guys in round one, especially, you know, it's, it's tough to see them, you know, become pro bowlers, become all pros, become what you want in that range. And I look at these guys, if you told me Tyson Anderson ended up starting for the Bengals for a contract, wouldn't shock me because oh. look at that profile. Look at what he's done at Toledo. Look at uh, all the special team stuff. He did all of those things.
0: Teams. He, it's, it's not insignificant.
1: And it's not. And, and so that's the thing is I, when you look at the profile and you look at these guys and you look at their college production, it's like, man, they check a lot of boxes and they're not going to get them all right. But I see the vision and I understand it. They clearly wanted to get faster in the secondary and, and bolster that defense after addressing the offensive line and free agency. And they, uh, they certainly did that. I, I like the picks. I, I really do
0: yeah me too. and i I like the fact that they had an idea of what they wanted to do going into the off season, and they have followed it up and not only through free agency. they didn't just go into the draft saying, "Well, we got done what we wanted to do in free agency. Now we'll just play it haphazardly uh in the draft and and see how the chips fall. No, they had a plan. We're going to do what what we absolutely need to do with the offensive line and free agency. They did that. we like you just said. We're go- they're going to go out and get speed in the secondary to keep pace with all of these wide receivers that are jumping teams and crisscrossing the AFC and the NFC. Uh, actually, primarily coming from the NFC to the AFC. Uh, hello, Buffalo Bills and and. Uh, Kansas City uh, Chiefs, Miami Dolphins. Um, obviously, the Bengals are trying to keep pace with the speed element in the game, and I think they've done that. Uh, two quick words, Cordell Volson. Uh, two words, quick words, if you will, on Cordell Volson and Zach Carter. What do you think?
1: Um, Zach Carter felt like a reach, right? Just based on where he went versus the consensus with board Marion and most analysts are you still there. Well, most analysts had him, yeah, and I'll. Perry and Winfrey, you know, the prototypical three technique. I think what the Bengals did with Zach Carter is they saw a couple things. One, high end athlete, not going to say elite, but still tested like a high end athlete. Two, more versatile than Perry and Winfrey. Winfrey is strictly a three tech. I'm going to get after the quarterback. I've never made a tackle against a running back in my life because I play in the Big 12 type of player, (laughs) right? Zach Carter's not that. This dude's in the SEC. And he's hit running backs and he's had to deal with that. They think you know they're gonna start him at a three tech, but I think they're gonna move him between the three tech, five tech. They like the versatility part of it. And there weren't many guys like that in this draft. So in all of our eyes, including mine, I mean it felt like a reach in their eyes, they're like, There's not many of these guys left. We have him ahead of Winfrey. Let's take him. And he really was productive at Florida. You know, 20 plus tackles for loss over the past two years, eight sacks last year. This dude was productive. So I like it. I like the player. That's how I've kind of said, I like the player. Don't love the value. And it would have been hard to get great defensive tackle value where the Bengals were drafting in this class. So I understand that as far as Cordell Volson, look, you needed alignment and I'll tell you what this is. This is Frank Pollock. I think this is for the first time. I don't think Billy Price was necessarily Frank Pollock's guy in in 2018. I, I think he was okay with price and like Price's mentality last year. I don't think Jackson Carmen was Frank Pollock's guy. I feel pretty confident in saying that. This Cordell Volson kid feels like it's Frank Pollock's guy. And maybe he finally put his fist on the table and said, Look, I get it. You spent money in free agency. Let me pick one of my guys here. Let me find one that fits me. Great. And, you know, a lot of people were on the athleticism part of it with, with Volson. But if you take those athletic scores and move them to offensive guard versus offensive tackle, he projects as a high-end. Again, not elite, but 80th percentile, uh, high-end athlete. And, and so I like it. I think they're getting a mature adult, and that's, I think, what they need. And, you know, who, who starts at left guard? To me, I, they, they keep mentioning Deontay Smith at tackle. I think Deontay Smith is, is going to be the guy that ends up grabbing that because he is an adult. And it wouldn't have shocked me if Frank Pollock was a, uh, uh, you know, on board with that as well. You know, the Deontay Smith pick, but um, the, the Cordell Volson screams. Frank Pollock says, "Hey, let me get one of these glass eaters. I don't care if you played for NDSU."
0: Okay, we're moving on to the uh, rival team in the AFC North. That would be the Baltimore Ravens. Everybody and their brother had them having a stupendously great uh, draft over the weekend. I did not read one. Uh, report that didn't put them at a or a plus, and it started with uh, Tyler Linderbaum uh, they got him uh, and they they've added depth over, uh, across the board uh, David uh, Jabo uh, who is coming off an achilles injury and probably won't be ready, but he is somebody that um, could obviously have an impact uh, over the middle uh, over the, on the defensive line um, and they've added Kyle Hamilton the safety. What did you think of what the Ravens were
1: able to do? You, you look at it, and Kyle Hamilton feels like a value pick. Tyler Linderbaum, everyone knows how I felt about him. At the same time, they traded their best receiver. And that's the part of it that I think gets lost in the shuffle because everyone looks at what the Ravens did. Oh, man, they killed it. Look at them. the ball. Right. Typical Ravens draft. It's great. Oh, man. And I like the players. There's no doubt about that. But w- what are we talking about here? we're talking about a weapons league. This isn't a hammered out type league. This is a Joe Burrow says, we're going to throw on you all day long and you're not going to be able to stop it. And even if you do stop it, you're going to have to put up a bunch of points to stop us too. And Patrick Mahomes is the same way. And all these teams are the same way. And I look at the Ravens and I get it. Lamar Jackson's really damn good. Rashad Bateman in uh, who else? Devin Duvernay, Devin, I like him coming Devin, out of Texas. Duvernay,
0: is there T- other other uh, T-
1: Tylen Wallace? I don't know any of these other guys. So much so, Trags, I'm looking at it and I'm going to call the Ravens and offer my services because maybe I can make that. You know, the team as a slot receiver. I mean, I'm like half joking, half serious. Uh, what is this, the Mark Andrews show? I, I like Charlie Kohler. Like now that an- they drafted him the and Isaiah Likely. Thing. Yep. I I, I just. So I I like their draft. I do. I really do. Because I like the players. And I like the value. And you look up and down the draft and it's like, oh, I know him. And I like him. And I like him. And Ojabo could be the future of their pass rush. At the same time, it's a weapons league. And last I checked, Lou and Arumo and company, they're going to be ready for a bunch of different weapons. And the Ravens don't have them. You know, if you're just going to run this little Lamar Jackson offense with no true threats downfield, good luck.
0: Um. And the Buffalo Bills, real quick, because I know you got to get going here. Kair Elam uh, was mm-hmm. the corner that a lot of uh, experts had or mocked going to the Bengals. He winds up with the Bills. He adds his talents to a already loaded defense. And if you take a look at the Bills on both sides of the ball, I think they had a very solid draft, but to add a guy like that and plug him in, uh, to a corner position uh, on a defense that obviously added uh, Von Miller in the off season, and and you take a look at their secondary already: Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Tredavious White, and Elam on the other side. Uh, that's going to be a tough combination to beat.
1: Yep, no doubt about it. They're loaded. You know, they're loaded. They're stacked. Uh, you mentioned the defense. I love Elam. You know, I think he's a really damn good football player and you had him opposite white. who's coming back from injury. Uh, you got a, a super athletic linebacker in the middle and Tremaine Edmonds, Von Miller, you know? Yeah. I mean, Greg Rousseau at Oliver. I mean, it, you look up and down, they're going to get heat on you and they're going to be able to run and cover and do all that stuff. And so that that's, uh, it's a tough defense. And here's the thing, the underrated signing, I think this off season for the bills, Last year they went and got Emmanuel Sanders, hoping that he had some juice left. And he was okay, but didn't have that kind of juice. We saw what Gabriel Davis brought them in the playoffs against the Chiefs. I think Davis and Diggs—that's great. They signed Diggs to an extension. But you know what they did? Know, they here. went out and got a. They went, and went out Crowder. and got Jameson Crowder. Yeah, and, and it reminds me of like this under the radar, like Brady in his prime. Oh, we're just going to sign this slot veteran receiver. And guess what? Crowder's got juice left, and he was a guy, to me, I was like, man, I know the Bengals probably aren't going to go after a receiver in free agency, but if you could get one, that might be the one, and I just, I love, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he catches 90, you know, has 90 catches this year, because I think he's better than Cole Beasley, he comes without the distractions, and he wants to win, everybody wants to win, of course, but he has not won in his career consistently, Jamison Crowder, I think, is going to be really, really productive for the Bills.
0: He does a an amazing job covering the Bengals and the NFL for all And you can uh, hear his podcast, watch his podcast daily uh, on uh, locked on locked on podcast Bengals with James Rapine. Follow him on Twitter at James Rapine, all one word. Anything else, James, before we let you go?
1: No, that's it. Trags, I, I appreciate you having me. It's, it's an exciting time. See, you're used to covering a winner. It's uncharted territory for me. So uh, it's, uh, it's been fun, and hopefully we get to do it because it's a hell of a lot more fun than covering a team that's won six games in two years. Correct.
0: And we will see you uh, as the rookies uh, report next week and uh, OTAs get underway. James, thanks. Thanks, Mike. Take care.